I'm giving her all she's got, Captain. Engage. <laughs> Odd cat. The final frontier. Ew. Gross. What, that voice? I don't know. I, just the whole concept. <laughs> what we're doing here is not important. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Podcat. I am Veronica, and my co-cat here is... Sam Brady. Wow. Hey, everyone. So, oh, it's been months since we've recorded. It's been so long. I don't even remember how to do this. It's been ridiculous. It's been about four minutes in reality. Uh-huh. We typically record several of these at one time, so... Right. Yeah. Really, we've only sat down to do them like four times ever. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, how, how have you been these last four minutes? Well, I've cleaned off the margarita pop yeah. from beneath my fingernails because it really distracted me at the end of the episode so much so that I had a really hard time signing off. You have been fastidiously scrubbing with that Lysol wipe. Yeah, I do not like to be sticky or dirty. You know, speaking of fingernails, you have had very glamorous nails for the past couple of weeks. You've really oh, thank you. worked on your fingernail game. Well, I finally bit the bullet and had a gel manicure done. The uh, the person the, or the place where I go, they finally talked me into it, and I have really resisted because it's like ten to fifteen dollars more to have it done. And the whole thing is that they're like, oh, it lasts two weeks, blah blah blah, which is great, especially if you have children or type a lot. You know, I mean, that seems like oh, too good to be true because. Mine only seemed to last for maybe five to seven days max. And I am going on two and a half weeks. Yeah. I don't have any chips. However, I, if you wear um, like fa- acrylic nails, then basically how it looks around the cuticle is that I need to go get my nails filled. So I may do that this afternoon is go and uh, get my nails done. But... Yeah, they're very glamorous, and I was in a very sparkles mood, so I just have a nude nail with a lot of gold glitter. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. (laughs) So the guy was like totally not into it. He's like, why don't you want a solid color? And I was like, I don't know, because I do what I want. (laughs) It made me mad a little bit, because I was like, don't judge me. Oh, that's not just that it was that way. Yeah. That place has gotten so Jesus-y. It really has. I used to really love it a lot, because... It was just a nice zen place to be. The music they played was very relaxing and soothing. And now all they play is contemporary Christian music. (laughs) And it's very upsetting because some of the songs... Well, I I don't judge anyone for their uh, religious choices. But I just think some of the songs that I hear there are so upsetting because they're so sexist or oh my gosh yeah it's like i know when you're looking at me you want me to make those decisions for our family it's real bad it's real disgusting um so it's a great price point and awesome nails yeah exactly so i'm i am gonna put up with it one day i'm gonna have the courage to ask them to please change the radio (laughs) but i just feel like it's not my business i don't care they have to be here all day they should be listening to something that they enjoy i can just listen to a podcast (laughs) So next on the list that we have here is TNG, but I'm not going to ask you about that, Veronica. I'm going to ask you about Stranger Things. Oh my God. Stranger Things. I am suing that place. Oh, I just meant Stranger Things than TNG. 
Okay, there is a made-for-Netflix TV series I called Stranger Things. I love all Netflix original programming, pretty much. No, not me. I don't like Orange is the New That's Black. That's true, I don't like that either. I have tried that several times. Me I too. don't like it. Um, it's unfortunate because my boss really likes it a lot, and she really wants to talk to me about it. And I'm uh-huh. just like, I don't think it's funny. Yeah, I, I just, don't like it. And like, I have such problems with the judicial system. Exactly. And I feel like we shouldn't be making fun of it. We should be fixing it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is. It's hard to be let go and just look at zany misadventures. Yeah. When it's a U.S. It's a prison system that that incarcerates the the percentage of the population in this country that it's not even close to any other nation. Yeah. And there's so much of a, a bigger fear I feel like we have in this generation in this day and age. That if we even if we are completely innocent, then something could someday, God forbid, happen, and that's just such a terrifying thought. Yeah, I mean, speaking of which, I'm I'm gonna switch gears a little bit on Netflix originals, but there was the Netflix original Making a Murderer mm-hmm. series that um, I watched maybe two or three months back. Yeah, and um, Brendan Dassey, the child from that story. He was convicted, I believe, to life in prison with the chance of parole. He's never been given parole. And now his um, conviction was overturned. Mm-hmm. And I really do believe that's because of a public outcry for, you know, a better holding that that portion of our judicial system to a higher standard and making it so that everyone is getting a similar and fair trial. And um, I, I really, if you've watched that, I really don't think that he did. He may or may not have contributed to um, the rape and murder of this woman, but be that as it may, he did not receive a fair trial and he was not investigated using practices um, that are acceptable for children specifically. And um, I, I really feel like good for Netflix, good for, you know, that state. I believe it's Wisconsin for, you know, at least acknowledging that something was done incorrectly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, and again, I don't I don't pretend to know enough about that to, to say whether or not he is truly innocent or guilty. But it is very clear that he was not given. And there could be some level of reasonable doubt. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Have you ever seen the movie? You've never seen 12 Angry Men, have you? I've not. I really want to rewatch it because it articulated this idea in the American justice system of reasonable doubt. And from what I remember of it, it was just such a strong and powerful articulation of it. Um, And I've told you the premise before Mm -hmm. that there's there's 12 people. They have to come to a unanimous decision. It's a murder case. It's, I think, a young African-American kid who they're, they're saying did it. All of the jury are very think it's cut and dry they want to get on with their lives they're really put out by having to inconvenience themselves at the time and one of them is just like let's do everything we can to satisfy the idea of reasonable doubt basically mm-hmm. and they uh, eventually you know they, they really explore that idea and it's um so i want to see if it holds up to what i remember it being as being this ideal of justice Hmm, that's very interesting. I feel like right now we live in a day and age where you are absolutely guilty until consider or uh, until found not guilty, and so it's just so ass backwards. Um, yeah, and we're just kind of unless, a- of course, you're you're a young man who has tried to rape or has successfully raped someone, then it's just a okay for you to do that slap on the wrist and we'll go on, which is also equally as upsetting and 
definitely something that we need to be looking into um, as a country, uh, you know, protecting victims. And um, there was a, a really interesting tweet the other, I think it may have been yesterday, about how these young men who are just getting off for rape and just getting, you know, parole or, you know, probation and all of this. And it's so upsetting because it's like, if you wonder why people don't come forward, that's why, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have to continue to live with this person in the community for the rest of your life, that's not okay. And I think we live in such a, a global community and even nationally, like we feel like, oh, well, if someone doesn't like where they live, they have the freedom to move. Well, when it comes to something like that, it should always be you know, in consideration of the victim, the victim should never have to leave their community to escape seeing that vile person. And uh, so, I don't know, that whole thing has just been very upsetting for me in general. Yeah. You guys didn't understand what we were talking about when last week we raised the stakes, but... (laughs) (laughs) This was it? (laughs) Oh no, I don't want to go here. stakes have been raised. (laughs) I don't want to talk about murder, rape, and the justice system. (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. We raised the stakes. <laughs> All right. Well, next on the list is TNG. <laughs> but I don't want to talk about TNG. I want to talk about Stranger Things. Oh, Stranger Things. Okay. So I loved Stranger Things. We are not going to give any spoilers because I feel like no. the show is way too new to do that. So Stranger Things, the premise of the show um, is... Uh, just, and just real quick, we're just going to run down the ending of the show and who lives and who dies right now. Um, okay, so everyone dies. Yes. It was strange. It was very strange. There right. were things. <laughs> um, no, I think everything from the typography of the show's title, um, it, it's so reminiscent of 80s Stephen King novels. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. I thought it was uh, such a tribute to the master of horror of our day and age. So I thought that was really wonderful. And Stephen King has made some really, uh, uh, I guess just like, uh, he's been very, he's praised the show a lot Mm -hmm. and what it's done. And I think it's really fun. It's such a great um, horror, suspense, sci-fi uh, then even, kind of an 80s nostalgia. Well, and even a fantasy. Yeah, absolutely fantasy for sure. Yeah, I it, love that it starts out with the D&D com- oh, campaign. Oh, sure. The D&D imagery was it's all throughout and really well done. Really wonderful. If you're a fan of RPGs, I think that that alone is enough for you to enjoy Stranger Things. And that's really all that I want to say about it. I loved it so much that like... When we were marathoning it, I think we marathoned it in a week, right? Yeah, or less. Yeah. Yeah. I love it so much. I'd give it a higher ranking than our U.S. justice system, personally. (laughs) Shut your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I loved it so much that I was laying on the couch watching it, and my head got, or my neck got sore from, like, looking up and over at the TV on the wall, that I ended up moving the couch so yeah. that it was like she, laying perpendicular. It was aimed perpendicular to the TV so that I could lay in it like it was a bed. You went full Winona Ryder and redid your whole living room <laughs> so you really could receive did. the messages. <laughs> it was so good. I loved it so much. Yeah, it was really fantastic. Um, Vox.com is a place I've been getting a lot of my news recently. I, I really love it. Um, Ezra Klein is the person who is the, the founder of it. And I really encourage you to look it up. 
or look up their podcasts um, if, if you like the weeds um, they do and the Ezra Klein show are them. But they wrote a lot about Stranger Things and I wrote every article they read about them and they were so insightful. They talked about how there's these ideas with US film, how we don't want remakes, we want original stories or only remakes are profitable. And Stranger Things is kind of right in the middle of that where it's an original story, but it's so nostalgic and it's so other stories. And it's kind of saying, we don't want a new story necessarily. We want a familiar story. Oh, that's such an interesting um, perspective for uh-huh. sure. And they go into pretty good detail if you want about how there's such, I say fidelity in, uh, too much in, in, my, in my just general lexicon, but I guess for lack of a better word, fidelity to actual 80s movie cinematography mm-hmm. and, and shots and it's really meticulously and deliberately d- um, done with it too um, so they go a lot into all sorts of different commentary on it that I thought was interesting I can't talk about that movie without talking about the excellent commentary that they, they did that on series that. yeah that series yeah it's a series it's about eight episodes I think it is eight episodes long yeah and so if you have a free weekend or if you're homesick from work I would totally use your day watching Stranger Things Absolutely. Um, I think I think that that is my number one season one pick for Netflix. Okay. I really for a Netflix original series. I mean, um, I really love House of Cards a lot. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost think that this is a better first season than sure. the first season of House of Cards. And I, I'm interested to see what Stranger Things does in the future because. It is very early on in the life of that show. So, I mean, who knows if they're going to have a sophomore slump or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, I, I'm interested to see where it goes, for sure. Yeah, me too. Uh-huh. And I would probably agree with that as far as Netflix original programming, which is we've established we generally love. Um, I think it's my favorite first season package. Sort mm-hmm. of thing. My favorite Netflix original show is probably BoJack Horseman. <sighs> oh, the doors. Do you want to pause it so I can answer the door real quick? Mm-hmm. And we're back. Sorry about that. I had to get the door. We're now at a place where we can't get the door. And yeah. And we totally shut off in the world. Um, I was just saying that BoJack Horseman is probably my favorite Netflix original show overall. I really, really love it. As of this recording, I've seen uh, three seasons in the Christmas special. And uh, it, it really made me laugh and cry, do both at the same time. Just, it was great. I really think that the uh, season three finale was not great. I feel like the episode before... The season three finale was a better stopping point. If I, if it were my show, that's where I would have stopped it. I think I agree. The part where they're sort of setting up the pieces for the next season, where it was so obvious that there would be a next mm-hmm. season, was reassuring in the moment in a certain way, but it definitely left it on not as much of a powerful note as it could have. And the thing that happens in the second to last episode is just an insane thing that happens like yeah. it's, it's kind of an unbelievable thing I mean thing. the writing is on the wall for that but I think that um, yeah I just feel like everything that was in that last episode should have been scattered throughout the rest of the season because that show really does rely on flashbacks so much Yeah, I mean I don't understand why they didn't do a flashback for so much of that to open up the new season uh-huh. but you know I mean yeah, so the end of that, the Disneyland episode is also one I don't love, except for the... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then season one is a little bit mixed, but um, almost all of season two, and then most of season three, I think it's just completely masterful. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a lot more of an emotional journey than you might expect. It's it's really dark. Um, yeah, I think when I first saw it, I really expected it to be sort of like a family guy or American dad type situation. 
Um, and both of those, I think, are just sad depictions of the worst of humanity. But I feel like anyone can identify with some level of BoJack Horseman. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So it, it's an interesting show for sure, and I highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, BoJack Horseman gets nine margarita pops from podcast. Oh, I think that we've done Paws, Stars, and now Margarita Pops. Well, they are all part of the same system. I'm glad you bring us up. Uh, since we've raised the stakes and gotten real about the show, <laughs> we have concurrent and simultaneously existing rating systems that are competing with one another and will eventually solve up our own universe, and that's how the world will end. The Dothraki believe the world ends when the wild grass takes over. I believe it was when our rating system truly gets flushed out. Then there is nothing, truly nothing left. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that was weird. <laughs> right. So, Netflix original programming? Yeah. Great. Two stars. I don't out, wanna... of, out of two. And let's uh, skip these that we've already kind of touched on. Okay. Um, Glitter Force. I feel like we've already talked about it. I feel like we talked about talking about it. Well, I don't know. Like, I haven't maybe, watched... No, you, maybe we did. Yeah. I think we did. If you like Sailor Moon, you might like Glitter Force. If you have children, you'll probably they'll probably enjoy Glitter Force. Yeah, it's really great. Uh, we did absolutely talk about getting engaged. Yeah, we did on the Geekly Live show. I do, I do remember that. I was not too drunk for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for saying. I still yes. accept your proposal. Okay, good. Yeah, we are under contract. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Pretty soon we're going to close on this deal. And <laughs> <laughs> what do we say sometimes? Like. You are on record on saying that you love me. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the record, ugh, which is kept we don't know where. <laughs> probably where our quest log is, which we need to get going. Ugh, probably. Um, what We Do in the Shadows? Do you want to touch on that at all? I don't know what that is. That's that vampire movie we watched. And we wanted to get Matt Morris to watch because we knew that Matt would love it. Oh, and I think he did. And he did love it. Okay, yeah. I wouldn't imagine him not loving it. It was so his sense of humor, in my opinion. Well, what We Do in the Shadows, I feel like we have talked about this as well. <laughs> Guys, if we are deja vuing, please let us know. Do we talk about documentary now? I feel like we did too. And how you're so freaked out for the first episode. Oh is gosh. this a, a time warp episode? Is well, it 2015 it, right now? Uh, well, if it is, we need to respect the time warp. We're going to talk about it again. We're probably going to have a new perspective on it because it's been years since we have recorded a podcast. It's been years. Soon. It's been years. <laughs> okay. So what we do in the shadows, it's an HBO um, I think, is it a miniseries or is it just it's season a, one? It's a movie. It's a movie? Oh, shit. Like that, it's a made-for-television movie. Okay, well, it's a made-for-HBO um, movie. Mm-hmm. It's about um, a coven of vampires that are not great. Not doing well. We always hear about the vampires who are the 1%, right? Yeah, <laughs> or just... like the Twilight vampires. Yeah. Like, oh, we, well, have the, we have the one vampire that can read into the future which is good for the stock market like, just, that's cheating yeah yeah but we're listening to those vampires who are long-term bachelors who are sharing a place together and just making it one day at a time yeah not great um but yep. the, but that show is great and i think the best thing from it there's a line where they come across a bunch of Werewolves, yeah. and the where one of the werewolves goes rogue and calls someone like a bad word, and um, 
I think it's Restarby. Yeah, the alpha who's yeah. Restarby. Restarby, the alpha werewolf is like, hey, hey, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. <laughs> Which made me so happy. And I saw a t-shirt um, that said that at GeeklyCon. And yeah. I was just so pleased. Yeah. <laughs> They're making a sequel to that movie, which is from the werewolf's point of view. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, which is really fun. <laughs> I, li- I really love Restarby a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's very talented. I, did you enjoy him in Flight of the Concord uh-huh. season one? I, you know, I can't discern between seasons so well Ooh, in that show. Okay. There's a point where Murray goes kind of rogue, and it's just been really, it's so strange. And you realize that Murray is totally in it for the money, and like, I feel like he always has been, we just didn't think he was ever good enough to get it. Oh, yeah. And then he gets successful at it, and you're like... Briefly, though, right? Yeah, I guess. Well, in a sitcom kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really liked him in Flight of the Concords. It was super. I'm super excited anytime I, I see him. Yeah, he's 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 truly a delight. In my mind, every time he's on screen, he's really escaping his terribly pathetic life at the New Zealand consulate, <laughs> <laughs> living in a shitty apartment with yeah. a with a spouse that hates him. <laughs> there you go. That's great. Okay, what do you want to talk about now? Documentary now. We've watched one episode, and I'll never watch another episode because the first one was too scary. We've established a lot that Veronica gets frightened of things, and it's part of why she's such a great horror writer. But the episode documentary, one of documentary now, it's not broadcasting itself as a horror thing at all. It just sort of, I think, like, tongue-in-cheek in a fun way, takes a turn, and I think all the episodes kind of do that, like, kind of turn convention on its head. But it becomes a straight-up horror show <laughs> where at one point it just falls off a cliff and I read a lot of reviews of it because I was really spooked. I think I, I, I go into things so I'm expecting to be scared. I kind of prepare for that. Like Houdini, I tighten my gut before I get punched in the stomach, right? Yeah. I well, we were laying on the couch and Sam was kind of like laying on my lap, sort of. But I was legitimately screaming, screaming out loud. Screaming as hiding, loud as she can. Yeah. Hiding underneath the damn blanket. I was so scared. Yeah. I don't know if I can ever watch Portlandia again. <laughs> <laughs> but they are making more documentary now. And some of them oh. are sub-subject matter I would be interested in watching. Because they're doing like um, a remake of like a political documentary from the 90s. Which oh, I think would be really interesting. interesting. Okay. Yeah. And there's a lot of contemporary news broadcasters that they're going to kind of do their version of. Which will be really interesting to see. So there is a little bit of documentary now I really want to watch. I don't think I would watch all of it unless I knew the documentary first. Because I felt like there's they did it really well. I love both those actors, and when they... I think there's such a temptation for actors to do a, a kind of poor job male actor, specifically when they play female, to make it like kind of silly mm-hmm. and unreal. But I really like just love their interpretation of sometimes playing female parts. You know, I, yeah, I, both I on agree. SNL and on the show, I think they, they're able to... Uh, it's not patronizing job. at all. It's, I think they do it pretty well, and it's never uncomfortable. Um, and it was just interesting. It was just really fascinating. So they're very talented actors. It's a really interesting project. You know who I've never seen play a woman? Who's is that? Leonardo DiCaprio. But he's so beautiful on his own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't need to play a woman. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, so I, I, the reason I said that is because the next item on the list is Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant. When did we write this list? I don't know. I think a long time ago. It seems like in November, I think. <laughs> you think so? You're really about Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. You, well, you know what I want to no, talk about? No, but we have Kalana in the yard down here. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so much. Um, let's see. 
Leonardo DiCaprio in The Revenant, so happy he won the Oscar. Let's move on. Well, I want to talk about the thing I found interesting about that movie, too. <sighs> no, I'm kidding. Go is ahead, that please. In the trailers, really in primetime spot, there's all the movie trailers, and then there's a commercial for, what's the brand name again? The Lip Balm? I don't remember. Oh! Vaseline. Vaseline. There's a commercial for Vaseline right before that movie, and then Leonardo DiCaprio has like the most chapped lips, like cut, bleeding, insane weather conditions you could ever imagine for the entire movie. You can't not look at his lips. I mean, that's true all the time with Leonardo DiCaprio on screen. You can't not look at his lips, but now it's true for a whole different reason. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you actually love Leonardo DiCaprio because everyone knows it's not the lips. It's the eyes. Oh, I I, I don't really. He's got the wonderful eyes. I enjoy his acting. Yeah, he's a wonderful actor. Uh Um... Yeah, I, but I really love The Revenant. I really love the Hugh Glass story to begin with. Oh, yeah. And if you haven't heard the Hugh Glass story and you would like a really entertaining, um, I guess, podcast about it, you should check out The Dollop. They have one on Hugh Glass. It's one of their earlier episodes, and I really love that mm-hmm. that particular uh, story a totally. lot. That, that podcast in general is, is, is consistently pretty good and always really interesting. Mm-hmm. For sure. I like, I love it whenever anyone is really just absolutely incredibly devoted to something that doesn't make any sense to anyone else. Mm-hmm. The kill tank or the killdozer is yeah. a good example of that. But so look up the killdozer episode after you listen to the Hugh Glass episode. So another thing is Kalana in the yard. I'm sure that if you follow us on Twitter or on Facebook, that you know that we planted a tree. Uh, and we named it Kalana and we planted it on the day that we got engaged Mm -hmm. just to kind of you know commemorate that day well she's dying sadly it's been a really brutal summer it has been so hot and we've been watering her frequently Um, she's just getting I guess like sunburnt really because all of her leaves are really it's a really small sapling and so we'll we'll replace that tree should that one die yeah but unfortunately i feel really sad if she does doing so well um so yeah if you have any advice i think she's like some uh species of a cherry tree or something i think so too um okay so the next thing that i want to talk about is a question that we got on twitter and this comes from Ben Apperson um, on Twitter, Bapperson. I've only run one or two session games of tabletop RPGs. How do I plan and prepare for a longer campaign? Hmm. Well, that's interesting. Um, both of us run fairly long campaigns. In fact, I actually have a lot more difficulty running um, one-shots, <clears throat> Or um, games that might just last two or three mm-hmm. uh, sessions. Yeah. So, I, for me, I think what it is is um, find your story that you like. And even if it's just like on one sheet of notebook paper, just like um, write down um, something we, to the effect. Still recording? Oh, okay. Sorry, yes, I didn't, I didn't see the needle moving. It just changed in how it looked. Okay. So something to the effect of start, the players are introduced to a witch and that witch gives them a quest. And then on the end of the piece of paper, 
write your conclusion to the story. So what do you want to actually happen? How do the characters actually win this game? And when you do that, I would do that with the intent of saying, you win this game if X happens, and then just dash, and then this is where you plan to spin off. And that can be very vague, and it can be something that you pull from your sessions with your players, um, because they may actually choose where the adventure ends up going. Um, but I would just start with where you're starting, where are you going, and put those on the top and bottom, and then start filling in, you know, take that fifth line down, be like, here's a stopping point where you want X to get accomplished. This needs to be accomplished. And then just starting all of that planning just on a piece of notebook paper. And I really had to do that a lot in the first and second seasons of Cthulhu and Friends. And that was really how I did a lot of my story planning was uh, making sure that I had a definitive beginning and ending point and little stops along the way. And what's fun about doing it on the paper is that when your players actually give you good material, you can deviate and put that in there as well. So I think that's a really a good way to do it. It's not how I um, run my current game right now, but I think it is a, a good method. What do you do? Totally, I think that's great. Um, my advice would be not around anything about the game itself, but just around logistics around the game. I would really try to, if you really want to have a, a campaign that lasts, um, try to know, uh, find the time that you can to commit to it, to keep your commitments, and to be very expressive to the people that you're playing with when you feel that something isn't working rather than being non-communicative in, in that way. Because if something can just not click early on, it can be very discouraging. So I've, I've done a number of campaigns. Um, one I feel really bad for is I, I sort of walked away. And, and there's a lot of chaos in my life, and but um, I, I, sh I shouldn't make any excuses because I, I do really feel really bad for this and I do need to apologize very sincerely. But I kind of walked away from a campaign that I had advertised as being a very long-term campaign a little, really abruptly. And there were a lot of things that didn't work out exactly as I planned. And... Had I been a little bit more communicative to the people I was doing this thing with of, hey, I really had in mind that this would be a more open world thing and that when I would just sit there, you guys would uh, think of something to do or something to explore. And I'd really like you to, to try to try things or, or go in a different direction rather than have a linear sort of uh, more conventional story um, happen. Um, I really regret not kind of articulating that to the people, and I really regret not doing more on my more due diligence on my end to get the logistics wrapped up when I wanted to tell that story. Um, so if, if anyone was involved in, in that, that story earlier this year, I, I do sincerely apologizing for sort of walking away from that project uh, um, a little abruptly. And I, I hope um, some of you will find it in your hearts to play with me again at some point in the future. Um, I'm, I'm playing a, co a couple games now. Um, if you have some material on page, any at all, It'll, it'll feel great. I, I wouldn't worry about too much about mapping out entire sessions. You'll find that things that you just have a, a sentence on a paper will sometimes be a session. And um, sometimes things that you think will take hours will... will um, but, uh, sometimes you, you, you don't think you'll possibly have enough content to fill the time. And you'll have way more than enough. Mm -hmm. So just if you have anything down on paper beforehand, that's fine. That's great. That's okay. It's going to be all right. But just really 
be communicative with your players about the experience you want to have that, that they want to have and encourage them to do the same so when things aren't working you can kind of address it yeah and i think it's also important i think you really touched on this in your advice but I think it's important to establish whether or not you're playing a campaign that is linear or is sandbox. Um, and, and that's really your discretion as the GM is what are you most comfortable with and how do you feel like you're going to tell the best story or play the best? So with that in mind, then just keep in mind that you can be the GM of an amazing campaign and that is almost never solely your your win because if you're playing a really fun game it is because everyone at the table is contributing as much as they possibly can and that's one of the reasons i think that i really love playing cthulhu and friends so much is because every single player that comes absolutely believes that like hey this is their world too and they are playing you know, they're playing for keeps. And I think that's a really fun way to play and a way to keep all of your characters engaged all the time. So. Awesome. Best of luck. And let us know how that goes. And uh, again, if you if you are a part of any games that you're playing with me that sort of stop, feel free to please still in be in touch with me because I, I really love playing with each and every one of you, everyone I've ever played with. And I love games. <laughs> Okay, so we have one more question from Twitter. Uh, this is from Rob Weeks at Zombie Slag. Long Island Iced Tea, how many is enough? For me, I think one is good. <laughs> so it just depends on how, how strong you make them. So a lot of people um, make them with double shots on each of the five or six liquors that go in there. To me, that's too much. I can't handle that at one time. I like a single shot of each liquor, and I think that that's kind of where I like to stay. So if it's a single shot, just to be loosey-goosey, having fun with your friends over a couple of hours, I might do like three Long Island iced teas. Four is really my limit on those, especially rapidly. Or if they're doubles, I would never go to four. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think three is absolutely my max. And especially um, if it's pretty quick, I'd say in three hours, that would be like so much. I would totally be slurry. <laughs> it really only takes me one to get slurry. <laughs> you should tell the good people on the internet that you now like a gin. That's oh. a big step for you. And not only that, we've been kind of, we make some simple drinks now. Because when we drink, it's like a cocktail now. We drink, uh, you like Tom Collins as I well. I really do. But I, <laughs> I like making homemade Tom Collins because um, we started making our own simple syrup. Uh, we bought a juicer for our lemons and all kinds of stuff. So it has been a really fun adventure. And we did all of that because we are on the quest for the perfect margarita and we did make a delicious house margarita. So if you're ever visiting, I'm super excited for you to enjoy one of our house margaritas here. 
So, um, so we bought all of the stuff really in, in the quest for the perfect margarita. And I think our margarita to me is an eight out of 10. I really <laughs> enjoy it a lot. Yeah, it's good. But it's all, it's made with like fresh limes and. I'd give it eight kitten paws and two stars. Oh God. I'd give it, I'd give it five salt shakers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it, it's really good. And I, the gin that I like, what is it called? Roxer? Yeah. We've been. We went to the liquor store. We 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 redid the shelf because we were totally had nothing in the house for a while, which is fine. I, I couldn't really drink from my surgery for months, um, but we bought all Texas local stuff. Mm-hmm. So Rockstar is a Texas gin, um, and it's really citrusy and it's really like crisp and fresh tasting. Yes, I really enjoy it a lot. Um, it isn't too junipery, if that's uh-huh. a word, and that's where I've always been very turned off to gin. Uh, but I really enjoy it a lot, and if you're able to uh, legally imbibe then i would really suggest trying that one especially if you're not if you haven't been a gin fan in the past and it's quite affordable as well oh yeah so that's one of the things that we are very um i guess picky about is that we will not pay for top shelf liquor no because we just really don't think that that's a good investment <laughs> no we're both in school full yeah. time and, every, and getting married there's just a lot and just, there's, there's there's kids so we, yeah so, i mean we have children so yeah. we don't buy top shelf liquor right uh-huh. so um so yeah that's I, I i think it's a really fun one and it's called roxer and it's in a beautiful bottle too. oh yeah that's really pretty i think everything we got was local Really awesome, really affordable. It was mm-hmm. just a perfect run. Yeah, we have a really great tequila too, but I can't remember what that's called. We'll, we'll share that with you time. on next podcast. And uh, speaking of next podcast, we better wrap this one up. We kind of went a little bit long. I'm sorry about that, you guys. A okay. So I'm saying on behalf of the guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll say it on behalf of the gals. A <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a super duper awesome day. I hope that you are living the life that you want to live. I'm at Typical Veronica. I'm at Creeptastic Sam. Meow.